Hello and welcome back to Animation Broadcast and Cinema. This week we have a very exciting week, I think, for you. I know Jacob is very excited about our movie of the week, as mm-hmm. am I. It's one of my favorites. Um, but the most important thing, I think, in movie history, just the most important history. Cin- movie history, the greatest movie to have ever existed has officially, finally come out. We've seen it. And... All the speculation is over. Opinions can finally be formed. It is Dune. We're here. How do you feel? How do I feel? Just uh, oh, that man. we're that we made it. I mean that we're just here. Not even about the movie. Just that it's out. Yeah, I mean it was definitely an experience. It was an experience waiting for it. I mean, how long has this shit been pushed back? Uh, probably I think a year. Right. It's like a year, year and a half. Yeah. Something like that. And it's the hype building up to it, all the drama behind it, too. I I was going to see it the premiere night. I think I said last week I was going to, and I ended up having to push it back because I had to watch the Braves make it to the World Series. But um, I think the moment it actually came out, it was in theaters, and I had friends say that they saw it. I was like, oh, it does exist. It is here. We are here. <laughs> yeah, what was fascinating was that I mean, this is definitely the algorithm for me, but my Twitter and social media is filled with Dune stuff, like Dune memes, just people talking about Dune. I mean, obviously that's part of just the algorithm doing its thing, but I think a lot of people are talking about this. It's the algorithm and also the fact that we follow so many movie accounts. (laughs) Yeah, but all these posts have like 50,000 likes and like 100,000 whatever like retweets and likes so they're definitely very popular and it's great to see it just having this much buzz on social media well it's it's an event you know i mean yeah but it, i don't think anyone thought it was going to be this big or get this much buzz as it has are you are you joking is that yeah. a, i mean that's I, why that's why the studios didn't confirm part two because it, they didn't think it would have a big enough fan base well i can get to that in a second um at least where i live you know in georgia which is shocking that i guess it's not as big of a reaction uh up where you stay uh, it's been highly talked about and every time a trailer talks about it, it's all my friends talk about even the ones that aren't huge moviegoers like this movie is an event i think everybody knows who denis is at this point um Blade Runner 2049 didn't do well, but it's become like a, I wouldn't even say a cult. I think it's a pretty well-known movie in terms of style, like cinematography and the style it's shot in and just like, I think, I think think that's also part of it is on the studio side as well, Blade Runner 2049 bombed at box office. It didn't Uh do well at all. And I think that got every studio, especially, um, Legendary and Warner HBO, um, they were just nervous that he was going to do that again with this movie. Well, uh, Blade Runner 2049 was obviously very niche, I think, and it was something mm-hmm. that was for Blade Runner fans, and that was a pretty old movie, and I think even a lot of those original fans were like, oh, I'm not going to see this. Why, why are they remaking or doing a sequel to like one of the greatest sci-fi movies of all time? Like, I know that was my opinion on it. I loved the original Blade Runner, and I was like, I love Denis, but like I don't know if I need a continuation of this story. And then one day, I finally watched it, and I was like, damn, I should have saw that in theaters. Yeah, I saw it in IMAX. It was beautiful. Oh, God. I'm jealous. But I all of that culminated, and I think even in uh, the pandemic, 
you know, people, I think, watch a lot more movies than obviously at home. But I think um, Sicario and Prisoners got a lot more play in the pandemic. I saw a lot of people being like, oh, man, this Denis guy is Mm -hmm. really, really good. And I was like, yeah, we've known. (laughs) Like, everybody knew this. Yeah, but I still think... Okay, so I think the the marketing was really well done for this movie. That too. Um, But I think before, like the trailer came out and the cast list came out and all that, I really do think it had a niche audience because only, I feel like everyone that I know that saw the movie, probably like 5% of them read the book. Yes, obviously I don't think the book was even the biggest sell of this. I Well, I'll, I'll get to that. I have that. Table that for a second. Okay. Um, I think the, the cast list, I, or at least Timothy's name, Came out around the time I think they were like, hey, Denise doing a, a Dune movie. Or, well, the Dune thing had been pushed for a little while, but when it finally got greenlit, they're like, we have Timothy Chalamet. Mm-hmm. I think that perked some people's ears up. And then, oh, it's Zendaya. Oh, Jason Momoa. Oh, Oscar Isaac. Oh, shit. Okay, we're rolling. Like, we have a really, really good cast. Zendaya, Rebecca by the Ferguson. way, biggest clickbait of all time, which we'll get into. Yes. Hold that for a second, too. We have a lot... Like I said, there's a lot of Dune. Dune. God, I love it. Um, and it's... Jo- oh, and Josh Brolin, of course, too, you know. And it perks some people's ears up. And then we start seeing set photos. And I remember the set photos come out, and I'm like, oh, shit. And then we see we get stills from, like, dailies and trailers and stuff. And I'm freaking out even more. Trailer drops. That's the last trailer I watch. But I watch it, like, ten times. And I remember um, this was when I think the trailer dropped last year, right around the time when restrictions started like loosening up and stuff. I remember the first trailer dropped with Tenet. Yes, yes, it did. Um, and then I think the se- there was there was a second trailer drop. I think in March that I did watch, but I remember I'd go over to my friends' houses and like. Somebody would be like, all right, just put on the Dune trailer. Like, I just need to see it. And, like, it was, it felt like an event. And that's why I thought, even though 40 million is great, that's what it did at the box office over the weekend. Good opening, especially in a pandemic. Um, I thought it would do more. I thought it was going to be Venom. Jacob made the point to me uh, when we were texting that, you know, this was a dual release, but I thought that Denis. And the whole cast pushing it, you know, go see it in IMAX. And everything was going to work. All of my friends were like, we're waiting to see this in IMAX. I think a couple caved. But they also said, like, we're going to go see it in IMAX because it it looked good, but I got to see what that's like on that screen. Yeah, I mean, that was the same with me, too. Like, a lot of my friends who don't even go to the movies, really, I know saw it in IMAX just because right. they've heard the, all the buzz around it. And... This was the biggest IMAX opening since the start of the pandemic, which is crazy. So that means their, their marketing did work for that. Oh, yeah, 100%. And, and you know, I I like – what did you th- – okay, did you know that this was going to be part one, first of all, before you sat down? I did, yeah. I saw okay. some of uh, the critics' reviews that said right. part one. Well, hang on. <laughs> all right, first shot of the movie, if you didn't know this, it says Dune, part one. Um, yeah, so just, just heads up. Uh, I think we're probably going to spoil a little bit of this movie. If I mean, we should just go right in the spoilers. I mean, well, no, hey, let me give a little heads up. Okay. All right. 
if you don't want this movie spoiled, check the description of the podcast because I'm going to put the time when we start spoiling mm. and the time when we stop, and you can jump to that timestamp. Yeah. All right. Uh, all right. Do you want to go ahead? You want to clear away now? Do you... Are we going into spoilers? Let's do it. All right. Well, I want to start. Let's start with the part one thing. Um, I didn't know it was part one because I avoided reviews pretty much because um, I wanted to, you know, come up with my own. And then I saw the the first shot, you know, it says Dune, and then under it it goes part one, and I'm with my girlfriend, and I go, oh, shit. Because <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard anything about a part two being made yet. And then the first thing I do when I leave the theater, I Google, when will part two be cleared? It just was, by the way, like, 20 minutes before we started recording this. So, mm-hmm. claps around for Dune. Denis, you did it. We did it. We're getting the sequel. October we can find, 2023. We can see Timothy Chalamet, Jihad, <laughs> and Empire. Um, and so, and that's what it is. It's, it is a Jihad. That is exactly what it is. It is a religious war. And so, um, I was like, oh, shit. If like this is like the biggest pump fake of all time from a movie theater, and this movie doesn't do well, um, I am going to cry. And then I realized, oh, this is why Denis is like it was intended to be seen in IMAX. You've got to go see it in IMAX. Like I was like, oh, this is why. Not just artistic integrity, but he wants to do the second one. And. I mean, yeah, I do think it, it is partly money, but also this, I mean, you're a book reader, right? You read the book? I've read most of the book. Most of the book, right. So I've read all the book, and I read it before um, seeing the movie, obviously. I didn't read it in two days, but I read it knowing that this movie is coming out. And while reading it, I realized that this book is so dense and so detailed and so big that, one, there, there's no way that you could fit this all into one movie, and two... It's just, it needs to be seen on, like, an IMAX screen. Like, I knew the scope was going to be so big on this movie. Yes, it is. I, I, I realized that, too. And it is, I, I mean, even if you haven't read the book, just watching the trailers, I think, like, you realize this is something I need the biggest possible screen I can get to. Like, you see that sandworm, and you're like, oh, my God, like, I need to see this, like, to scale. Like, I want this sandworm to be on my lap. Like... And, um, I lost, completely lost my train of thought. Well, vamp, vamp for me, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to go into, um, the streaming release, because it did 1.9 million from Thursday to Sunday, which is pretty surprising. That's like, that's pretty good for HBO Max releases. I think the biggest is Mortal Kombat with 3.8 million for one weekend. <laughs> Right after that, I know, right? That's the biggest one. Um, Godzilla vs. Kong did 3.6, which is slowly right behind the that. The greatest movie of all time. Sorry. Uh, the Suicide Squad did 2.8 million. Uh, Wonder Woman 1984 did 2.2 million. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. It, then, it just came out. Yeah, Space Jam <laughs> did 2.1 million. <sighs> and then, yeah, Dune right behind that. So all it's right. up there for streaming, too, which is it, interesting. I, I remember um, people complaining about the quality of movie coming out on HBO Max's streaming service. And for one, to those people, I will say, they gave you Godzilla versus Kong. You don't need anything else. Exactly. <laughs> and for two, 
What do you want? Them, what do you want people to do? They're obviously saving the better movies for future releases, right? Like that's very clearly what we're doing here. For theatrical releases? Yes. Right. I mean, they didn't do it for Dune. They didn't do it for Dune, but Dune, I think they had they had to get out, right? And not only that, I think I bet streamers is a big reason that this got, you know, it, it got greenlit for a sequel because yes the 40 million in a pandemic looks good but 1.9 million people watching from home that just saw a cliffhanger ending of like a really really high quality movie that's a good amount of asses and seats i don't know if it'll 100 percent translate but i think another thing that they took into account is we're probably not going to see the sequel until, what, 2024 at the earliest, maybe, right? No, they announced they're aiming for October 2023. Okay, well, still, even even still, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Two plus years. Right, two plus years. And hopefully, by God, hopefully, we are out of this completely by then, and this is all just an afterthought. Oh, they already announced it's a theatrical-only release. Right, that too. So that's guaranteed box office money i mean like this this is this is the start of i think a star wars-esque trilogy a star wars level trilogy you think it's gonna be a trilogy i think it's gonna be a trilogy there's six books right yeah but i think he's only gonna cover the first really i think so that's his plan you don't think you don't think he could do the start of the first, and the, I guess that depends. But like, why? Because then you'd know. have to make more than three, you know. I, I think he's know. only going to do two. I think he's going to be able to fit it all in. Maybe we bust out eight and go Harry Potter level, and like real, and which honestly, I wouldn't mind that. For exactly for six books, and I, I think they tail off; they kind of spiral off poorly towards the end. But if Denis can put a spin on it, say say they do eight movies, which. I think right now would be a lot, and I don't know if the we thing would. is, Denis probably doesn't want to do more than three. I don't. Uh, yeah, I, I. He's gonna to want to move on to something else after that. And just, Harry Potter had multiple directors direct all of them because no one right. wants to direct eight of the same story. I agree, and so say they take the multiple director route, but all of them take the same. Like Denis lays the groundwork in the first two or three, mm-hmm. and then they give it to more directors. So we're breaking these individual books up into multiple parts and they're bleeding over movies into like the sequ- like into the next book and so every little part of the story gets to get told because the movie ended a little bit after where I am in the book about three quarters of the way through like uh, it was about half I would say you'd say it's half a little more than half probably. well maybe I'm only halfway through um, <laughs> and it, almost everything I wanted to see was there. Like well, you're right, this is a extremely dense book. It I think they cut a lot of the parts they needed to cut, except for one scene. I think the if you if you've read the book, you know what I'm talking about. It's this dinner scene mm-hmm. where it's one of the first few days they've come to Arrakis, and they skip over a lot of like the setting up their like mansion on Arrakis, which I guess is fine, you know, not completely necessary. But one thing that they do do is host a dinner for, you know, all the other nobles on Arrakis. Like the, it's like the water bank manager, and I can't Kynes remember. Is there. Kynes is there. All, I don't remember. All the big characters, Doctor Yu. Right, and I don't remember. Is there a fr- a Fremen representative there? 
I don't remember. Uh, I, I don't think kinds. so. Well, kinds, yeah, okay. I meant, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's pretty much like Paul's first, I would say it's his first real test on Arrakis, right? Yeah, and, well, I think also the big thing in that scene is that there's just so much character development in the book in that scene. You learn so much about, like, the backstories of some of these characters. Right. Um, people talked a lot. There's a lot of, like, drama about, like, the world they were in and the world building. And it kind of leading, the kind of new whispers about this big battle that was going to happen, kind of leading up to it. Well, the first thing I want to, it's like Paul, it's Paul's first challenge, I think. And he's at, he's, you know, with, it's with his family. And I think, um... Duke Leo has to get up and like go attend to something. So Paul is now the head of the table. And I think it's the banker. I I haven't read this part in a while. The banker is challenge is like kind of challenging him. And like Paul is totally pushing back. And you know, Jessica's like, Oh, he needs to calm down. He's getting ahead of himself, but he ends up diffusing the situation. And like, you're like, okay, if Paul has to become this great leader, he's clearly got this part down. Well, and we haven't seen anything. Right. you know, combat wise, but he's a smart kid. Um, and also like that happens, they, they cut out a lot between the arrival and when the hunter seeker goes after him, they cut oh, out yeah. a ton of that. And also I was a little bit upset about how much they like the hunt for like who was controlling that and everything got cut out. And, um, one more thing I, um, I will say I'm upset, uh, that was cut out is the tension between Jessica and, Thufir Hawat's characters. Mm, yeah, I mean, Thufir is barely in it, so... Um, I will say also, the Doctor Yu twist, I think, works, not knowing about it, but I also liked Frank Herbert, like, giving that away to us, and then us being like, Thufir, like, the whole time thinks it's Jessica, and then you're right. like, no, 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 but it's Doctor... It's like, you know it's him, and so you're, like, shouting at your book, like, yeah, it's so Doctor Yu. Exactly. So the thing, the thing that bothered me with this movie is basically what you said is that I, I do think Denis did the best job he could right. given that this movie is two and a half hours. He did the best job adapting this book. I think that's ever possible, like in two and a half hours at least. Um, but the thing is, it just because this book is so dense and there's so many characters and it's so detailed, you just you have to take away some of that character development and you don't get as attached to some of these characters. Like, especially Dr. Yu, I feel like his the twist of him being a traitor would have been so much, have a much bigger impact if we knew, like, more about his backstory. Like, they cut the whole scene of him talking with Lady Jessica about his wife um, being captured and all that. Like, I just feel like if, if we had more um, backstory and more character development with all these characters in this world it would have been a, a high, much higher impact for caring for these characters. They make you such a, or not they, Herbert, makes you a really sympathetic character in the book, I think. Because mm-hmm. I feel like when that dart goes in the Duke's back and you see it's you and he's like, they have my wife, you're still like, all right, fuck you, man. Like, Yeah, you don't care as much. But they don't, because they, they don't do a good job of explaining it. And also mm-hmm. they don't do a good job of explaining like, it's I, I, I don't even remember it, but it's something like Dr. Yu has been trained in, in some way that, like, if he were to betray the family, he'd literally, like, die. Right. Like, but they somehow got around it, and I don't remember that, that whole explanation. But it's not in the movie, so who cares? I just remember it was something I thought was really interesting from the well, book. Well, the thing is, Denis, I read that Denis did film the dinner scene, so it does exist. Yeah. 
he did film a conversation with Lady Jessica and Dr. You. There's a bunch of other scenes that they filmed that just got completely cut. So I'm hoping at a later point, hopefully like a director's cut will come out. Kind of like Lord of the Rings, how they have the extended versions. Hopefully an right. extended version of Dune comes out for this. That will hopefully make these characters a lot more impactful. I think we will get that. I'm actually really, now that part two has been cleared, um, I'm not particularly worried about that. Yeah, the thing is, like this movie, it's great, but it's just not a complete story. This is like the greatest one half of a movie, you know. Right, and so um, I'm gonna borrow something that uh, from the Big Pictures uh, episode on Dune. What like the book I got about halfway through that. Um, uh, Chris Ryan, I think, says, and it's something I think that happens in a lot of Denis movies. I re- I specifically remember this happening to me with Arrival, and there were points like this in Dune that I think in a Denis movie, there's a certain point where you're just like, "Am I watching the greatest movie ever?" Do mm. you know what I mean? Like, there's like some of like, especially on Caladan, like I, I, those the ships rising above Paul as he's walking along the coast. I'm like, holy shit! What it like? It is the greatest blend I think of what you can do, fit with physical space and physical effects, and as well as like the CGI and just making massive ships, but making them seem real and like they exist in this universe. And that's something that, like, if you, like, Arrival, I highly recommend the ships in that movie. Like, they seem like they could be there, but they're fucking massive, and we've never seen anything on that scale. Yeah, it's crazy. It's this movie really is, like, a spectacle. It's an experience. Does anybody understand how to use physical space better than Denis? Yeah, I mean, he's the best. I mean, Nolan is on the level as, as this, right. especially with, like, Tenet and Dunkirk. Like, he just uses the scope and the wideness of these cameras. Don't talk just... about Dunkirk on this show. I've told you. I don't like that one. <laughs> it's, it's incredible, man. I saw it in 70mm IMAX, which is the biggest screen there is in the world. Oh, it was beautiful. I um, don't care. <laughs> don't care. <laughs> movie sucks. Um, but, yeah, Denny just he uses everything to his advantage, I think. And it paid off. It just really feels like like a Star Wars or a Lord of the Rings. Like it's just it's huge. It's just massive. The ships are so well done. But also, me and you, we read the book, so we, we knew what was. We had like a different experience than most going. In. Like I feel like book readers. While I was watching this, at least, I when I saw like a character or a scene pop up, I immediately started to like fill in the blanks of what they missed in the movie. So I was like, oh okay, like, this this he did this because of this in the book, you know. And I feel like if I didn't read the book and watch it, I would have had a completely different experience. I did that too, and I that's always a problem with me when I read something before I watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, I have this weird thing where like, it's always a toss-up for me if I want to read the book first or watch the movie, I feel like. Yeah. Because I love both mediums, and I always mm-hmm. have. And... Like, there'll be times, like, I I watched, like, the first three Harry Potter movies when I was a kid, and then I, rep, I ripped through that series, and then I they the spent, I spent the rest of them time going, ah, they do this different in the book, and being, mm-hmm. like, a little bit disappointed, but then being like, oh, I got to watch this fight on, t- on the movie screen, but, ah, eh, Ginny kind of sucks as a character. And so, then, uh, and uh, let's say an opposite experience for that, uh, the movie It, I love Stephen King, I love his books, and he is one of the greatest authors to adapt for a movie ever. 
Um, and so lost train of thought, but I got it. All right. I watched it before I read the book and then I read the book and I spent the whole time thinking like, okay, this is different in the movie, but I kind of understand because it's hard to show this in like a physical space. Um, and also I kind of had a picture of what these characters were supposed to look like in my head. I think it helps a little bit with that aspect. And, um, and then uh, I, I, it is obviously one book and they broke it into two parts and part two leaves out some parts from the second half of the book. And I spent that whole time going, Oh, that's different from the second half of the book. And it's, it's a real toss up. That's why I kind of liked for this one, I read half the book so I knew the basis for it. But so then you again, don't know I, what happens in part two. I don't know what happens in part two, but I'm probably, I mean, I'm going to finish the book like probably in the next few weeks. So I'll know what happens then. I and mean, then I, I've, I, I do feel bad for people that didn't read the book because, oh my God, this is the biggest just the movie just ends and you have no idea what happens after. You have no I, idea what's to come. So right. Dan literally says, this is only the beginning. That's like the last line of the film. <laughs> I laughed at that line. I'm like, of course. I did too because I knew like, okay, like it was very clearly about to be the end, but I was like, this isn't fair. It just <laughs> like, ends. I want to no see the conclusion. rest. Like, like even all trilogies, like, even like the Batman Dark Knight trilogy, Lord of the Rings, even they all had a semi conclusion to the films. They all had like knots at the end where it was fine if it didn't continue. But right. This one is literally a part one. It just ends. This is going to, a... I think in the future when part two and whatever else comes out, this is going to be one of those type of movies where you just binge watch all of them all together. Yeah. We're getting the Kill Bill supercut treatment, mm-hmm. um, which I'm fine with. I'll do it. Like, I'm, I'm going to do it. I know I'm going to do it. There's going to be a Sunday where I'm really hungover and I'm like, fuck it, I'm going to watch all of Dune. I just, I is, am. When I, after watching this, like, I just couldn't help but think how great of a HBO miniseries this would have been. If it was 10 episodes. Stop. Stop it. It would have been. Because they would have had no. time to develop all the characters. It would have had time to go through all the scenes in the book. It would have been amazing. Not every. No. Really? You disagree? Not everything needs to be a miniseries. I don't like it. Yeah, but I'm, for this book, which is so dense and there's so many things that happen, this deserves like a miniseries. I don't I'm want, not, I'm not no. saying I'm mad that it's a movie. It's obviously the best movie there could be, but I, I do don't, think a, nope. a miniseries would have helped. I don't want movies to die. We're going to make everything a miniseries, <laughs> and I'm never going to get to go to a movie theater again. Stop Fine. that. Fine. I don't... Like, like, fuck Peter Jackson. He just took a Beatles movie and made it into a six-part documentary series. And I'm going to watch it because I like the Beatles, but fuck, I want to watch a movie. Yeah, but those aren't super intense and uh, dense um, stories. Like, this this book is so long and so big that it just needs ten episodes to go through everything. Well, guess what? You're going to get two massive movies on IMAX theaters. And, and you're I'm gonna not get complaining. To say, and you're going to get to see this. say this is the greatest looking thing I've ever seen in my life, and you're going to accept it. You're going to like it. I mean, part two, this isn't a spoiler for anything for the book, for the non-book readers. It sounds um, like it's about to be. It's action-packed. That's all I was like. It is action. Okay. Also, I, uh, okay. I had friends say that the movie is slow. What the hell are you talking about? Well, the thing is, I didn't think it was slow because I was just, why not? I was so engulfed in the material. I knew everything. The visuals were blowing me away. I just didn't want it to end. I could look at this all day. But I do understand from like 
a story perspective how people could see it slow because it's not a lot of action it's just people talking a lot which is I awesome think there was a there was a ton of action I there think. was there was like two big scenes the, the worm scene or three sorry the, the worm scene there um, was multiple worm scenes two so the two worm scenes we the, got a the, we got we got no we got a knife training scene okay fair that's not we really got, that's not action packed though it's just like a small little battle but I'm still sitting there like holy shit this is really cool. These yeah, shields the, are really cool. The shields are really well done. They're clearly very good with the knife play, and it's an and it's a thrilling, it's an exciting scene because it looks like they're trying to kill each other. Yeah, and then obviously the big battle. The the one in the Harkonnen Fremen base. Yeah. Oh no, well, not the, in the, the Fremen base. The Harkonnen battle, yeah. Yeah. The the Fremen base when Duncan Idaho takes on twenty guys, and sure. then it ends with a sandworm attack. The sandworm eating the uh, spice. What? The spice. <laughs> the spice harvester, and the and then Paul trips out on spice and like has to watch a vision. But like, oh no, the worm's coming. Like, there's a lot of exciting things going on. Then we get a, a knife fight to the death at the end of the movie, and Paul starts off getting his ass kicked. Well, anyone thinks that part one is boring. Part two is ten times the action. I just don't understand. And even the political intrigue stuff was super interesting. Yeah, but I was surprised about that, actually. I really thought they would dive more into that, but they kind of kept it pretty surface layer. But I understand that if they did delve into that, it would just bring up more questions, and they'd have to go like a full deep dive to really explain all that stuff. I also have another, I have another complaint about the people who thought this movie was slow. What about these trailers has made you think this was going to be an action-packed movie? Right? Like, what? I mean, it, it was kind of advertised as being this big action-adventure movie. You see you see the gurney knife fight scene, and I don't think you see another one. I haven't seen the trailer, so I don't know, actually. <laughs> I've, I mean, I've seen it, and I remember thinking, like, you, okay, so you just talked, you, okay, wait, hang on, hang on. The, wait. What, so what you just did right there was, it was advertised as a big action-packed movie, but you have not seen the trailer. You've seen, like, posters. I'm, I'm talking from my friend's perspective. That's what they told me. But, right, and that's what I'm saying. What about these trailers has given off those vibes? Is yeah, what I'm saying. I don't know. Yeah. Exactly. So you, you cannot, this is something that you cannot talk about. <laughs> you, you jumped in there so confident, but you... <laughs> there, was no, there was no basis there for that. We're podcasting the, here. I know we're podcasting, and you're trying to keep the conversation going. But then you can't follow up with, I haven't seen the trailers. <laughs> Okay, um, no, I, nothing in those trailers. I think really seemed like it was a big action-packed movie. It's a lot of just Timothy Chalamet walking around with massive ships around him, and then it'll be like, oh, an explosion from the Harkonnen battle, and then oh, he's fighting Gurney, and then that one clip of Duncan Idaho, and okay, say you see three clips in a trailer, and then you get those three scenes in the movie, then like, what, 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 what do you want? There's like five, I would call action or exciting, five or six action or exciting scenes in a two and a half hour movie. And I feel like that's not that bad. Mm-hmm. Are people upset that it's not the entire last hour of the movie like Endgame? And this isn't even a shot at Marvel movies. I love those movies, but like it's not going to be a one hour war scene. Yeah, I don't know. I was completely engulfed the whole time. I didn't want to end. I could watch eight hours of this. I like is the day of the. This is a completely different game we're playing right now. But is the is the day of the political intrigue, uh, 
movie done. I mean, those are so, those have been wildly popular movies for a very long time. Like, Clear and Present Danger, the Jack Ryan, Harrison Ford movie, I don't think he shoots a gun in that whole movie. He just, like, it's a spy movie where they're reading data information from Cuba and trying to figure out what the Russians are doing. Like, I don't think it's that. I just don't think... I think it's not a Marvel movie, and that's where most people are comparing it to. Because well, Marvel movie just gives you that action comedy jam it right in your face the whole entire time and this movie is, is not that yeah this is not a funny movie <laughs> although there are some funny ass lines i will say yeah it had a little humor the there, spit scene the spit scene is great okay wait hang on i, I i'm done i'm done playing the funny game actually that this moves on to my next thing who is your it cannot be timothy chalamet rebecca ferguson zendaya oscar isaac or jason momoa and I'm taking Josh Brolin off off the off the list too. Who is your like MVP of the smaller of like a, a smaller role? Stellan Skarsgård doesn't count either. Oh, that's what I was gonna say. No, he's a um, he's a main character. I forget his name, but um, his cousin, Skarsgård's cousin, um, Dave Bautista's character. Yes, he was you like, awesome. You liked him. You liked yeah, Dave Bautista. Yeah, he was Bautista. fun. Um, he's, a, he's a great little character, and he fit the role really well. I'm going Javier Bardem. Because mm. yeah. for one, I kind of stopped looking at cast lists. And I was like, I or I, maybe I saw it early on because looking at it right now, it seems familiar. But I forgot he was in the movie. And then he showed up and I was like, this is this is the best. This is the best thing in the world. Yeah, he's <laughs> great. And he has a huge role in part two. I can't. I love him. And then also, shout out David Dastmalchen. I like him a lot. Who is he? Peter DeVries, Peter, the bald guy who was like the the feared of the Harkonnen head to Skarsgård. Oh, right, right. Yep. That guy, they left out the whole thing. Uh, He was supposed to be like, he was supposed to be like the head of the compound that, like the plan was, I think, for DeVries' like help and like the planning of it, he was going to get... For one, Jessica was going to be like one of his things, and yep. for two, he was going to get to be the head of like the town that the Atreides family lived in. Yeah, he and played the, a much bigger role. In the right, town. and the Harkonnens were going to get were going to like live on the other side of the planet and operate from there. I, I think they might delve into that more in part two. Well, it doesn't matter because Peter DeVries dies, but I remember the I remember even then like. The Baron was like, "I'm gonna ki- like, I'm gonna kill him anyways." So I'll tell him what he can have whatever he wants, and then he dies in the uh, scene with Leo dying. But yeah, in terms of faithfully adapting the book, he nailed it. There was only yeah. like two big things that I noticed was one that Kynes died pretty early in the movie versus the book. He lasted a lot longer than he did. He escapes that place and doesn't get eaten by a sandworm until later on. Um, and then Weird also, choice. Weird choice. Yeah, I just don't think they had time to expand on her character anymore, so it was time mm. for her to go. All right. Which also, she she was a male in the book. They changed her to female, which I didn't mind at all. I wonder if people notice that because you keep switching it <laughs> in, the, in the conversation. Yeah, um, and then also the duel at the end with um, Javis is his name, right? Yes. Um, Jameis, Jameis. Jameis, sorry. Jameis, right. Jameis and Paul. Um, that happened way later in the book, too. Um, but they moved that up. But besides Which, that, it was a pretty faithful adaption. Everything else was spot on. 
Um, real quick, because we kind of need to get off this corner. I think we need some. We need a little bit more uh, in the first half. Bring although it. I I do love this movie. Last thing, best adaption of a book ever. Is it? Why did I, I said that like Yoda? In terms of faithfully adapting the book. Yes. Yes. One hundred percent. What about in terms of like just being a really good movie based off a book? Is the, do you have a better one? Um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head if there's a movie I liked better than the book. I don't think so. Not that I can think of. Um, I, th- I don't know. I didn't research this question, so I have no idea. Huh, yeah, it's a gut, I think it's a gut feeling thing. Um, yeah, I would say this is probably the most faithful adaptation of a book I've ever seen. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, we can we can sit around and nitpick all day, especially about that. Uh, dinner scene. I remember just being so disappointed by that. I was like, "Oh no, one of my yeah. favorite parts of the book is gone." And they. I also think, oh, okay, I, I'm right back to this. I think they left off a little bit too much about the Ben Gesserit and about yeah. like. They, I did think they did. They did a good job of explaining all those terms and kind of lingering right. in subtitles a lot, so people can kind of get the gist of it. But yeah, they didn't mention it as much, but I think they're going to mention it a lot more because it has a lot more impact in part two. I just remember there was one point where um, I think the Baron was talking to Leo and he was like, he was like, you, your son and, and your concubine are dead by now or something. And I remember like, my girlfriend didn't say anything to me, but I really thought I was going to get a, why did, why did he say your concubine instead of your wife? Because... You know, Leo couldn't marry her because she was a Ben Gesserit and traditionally. Yeah, they breezed over that. Yeah. You and also, I think, I think um, Oscar Isaac said a line. He said, I wish you married me or something like that to Jessica. I don't know. Maybe I missed that because I was too busy being dazzled by his eyes. God, he was. He looked great in this movie, also, didn't he? Yeah, his beard was beautiful, oh, too. He was marvelous. Yeah. I loved he it. dominated that character. Oh, he was great. Can't take his eyes off him when he's on the screen. Um, So I was reading online that a lot of people did not like Timothy Chalamet's performance. Well, you you know what? I think in the book, Paul is a fucking whiny ass kid and Timothy Chalamet. He's supposed to be like 15 years old, I'm pretty sure. Timothy Chalamet was playing a whiny ass kid. Yeah, and I also thought his performance was great. I fucking loved him. Yeah, I had no, um, nothing wrong with his performance. I read reviews complaining about him and like Reddit complaining about him and I was like, what are you talking about? Like... I do this think is, his his um, his partners like uh, Rebecca Ferguson did an incredible job. Oscar Isaac did an incredible job, but he it wasn't something that I completely like noticed. Timothy Chalamet just not doing a great job. Like he he was perfectly fine, it, especially yeah, it, with the star-studded cast that he was with. He never got acted off the screen at all. I thought he was no. great. Um, is this the mo- all right? Real, all right, this will be my last question. Is this the most attractive cast ever? Is, I mean, sure. <laughs> what are you talking about? I'm trying to think. Uh, <laughs> some good-looking people I in mean, here. I mean, Avengers Endgame does have a pretty attractive That's cast. true. That's those good-looking people in those movies. But, but also, <sighs> Marvel kind of has an advantage because they can just grab whoever they want. This Shal- movie, hmm. I think, yeah, Chalamet, you have Zendaya. Chalamet and Zendaya in, like, the next movie on the screen together all the time is going to, oh, people are going to be driven. In. The fi- well, yeah, for one second, I just want to talk about the marketing. For Zendaya, 
they advertised her as being the second lead in this movie everywhere she's on the top of the poster i remember i heard she's all over the trailers and she's in this movie for what five minutes probably that's the slow-mo shots it's the luke skywalker game yeah, I mean, it's genius, though, because all those Zendaya moms and whoever else, fans of their, hers, that just went to the theater just for her, only took out five minutes. Did you say Zendaya mobs or Zendaya moms? Moms, sorry. I know a lot of moms are into her. Did you say moms? Yeah, M-O-M. What? Yeah. So you shut up. a huge mom fan base. She's a huge mom fan base. Mom and daughters. Like, mom and daughters. Like, love Zendaya. Shake this it is, up. Disney Channel days. This is this is news to me that moms love Zendaya. I did not. Oh, of course. Know that. Yeah. Also, moms love Timothy Chalamet. Too. Well, that I could totally <laughs> see that. Um, so I think the combo. I'm but, not saying just moms. I'm saying that as like an outlier. Like no, got like moms. Well, like, I, little kids, you know. I get what you're doing there, but I did not know that there was a mom fan base that loves Zendaya. I'm pretty sure there is. I've seen it circling around All social right, media. We're going to do some research here and get back <laughs> to you on this one. Look out for an update on the ABC movie show Twitter because <laughs> I got to I got to look into this. Dude, um, I swear, I swear I read it as a thing. Shake It Up was a mid-tier Disney show, but I think I watched a lot of it actually. Yeah, it's because that was the prime of Disney Channel, dude. I never expected her to, like, boom like this off that show. I don't think anyone did, because not many Disney stars make it this far. I Let's see, hang on. I'm going to go to her uh, IMDb page really, really quick if this will load. Let's see, I'm going to go to Zendaya, actor. She got Shake It Up in... What are we doing here? What, well, what she was a mean? child star, obviously. Right. Um, yes. So, started with a Bella Thorne and Zendaya video short called Watch Me. I don't know what that is. Um, Weird. Shake It Up ran from 2010 to 2013. So, mm-hmm. okay, so that was that came in the middle of that. So, 2013, the show ends... And then we get her doing like music videos and songs. Yeah, she had a little stuff. music star career that most Disney stars take. Right, and then she's in the Bad Blood video with Taylor Swift, as just one of like the like there was like. I don't know. She doesn't do a movie. She gets one part in Blackish. She doesn't do a movie again until Spider Man Homecoming. Yeah, and, and then she does the, the. Well, hang on. Then she gets to the Greatest Showman. She does a show called Casey Undercover, where she's Casey Cooper. I have not heard of that show, but it apparently ran for three years. Then she's in three episodes of The OA. Then it's Mm Spider-Man Far From Home. And then it's Euphoria from 2019 to 2021. And then she's Lola Bunny. And then she's in Dune. Oh, and Malcolm and Marie. I mean, for honestly, she's not in that many movies at all. I think after her music career, she just had to revamp in a different direction and so um, just took off in this acting career. It's it's weird though, right? Like, why is she? I get why she's everywhere because you know, I guess she's a you know she's a great looking human being, so everybody's like, yeah, she's beautiful. Right. She's only done TV episodes, feature film. Thir- all right, so feature films. It's thirteen, counting Dune Part Two. Counting Megalopolis, which hasn't come out. Counting Be My Baby, which hasn't come out. And counting a movie called A White Lie that hasn't come out. So that's four movies that haven't come out. 
um, an animated movie called Duck Duck Goose that I've never heard of. Nice. Uh, that Smallfoot movie. Um, but she's only been on on screen role in one. I don't count Space Jam. Two, three, four. Five movies. And Spider-Man No Way Home is credited here, and that hasn't come out. So she's done five movies. Well, props to her management. Wait, four movies. Sorry. Five movies. I forgot Malcolm Marie. Great job, her management. And she's everywhere on social media. She is mm-hmm. not going away. Well, she deserves to be. She's a star. Yeah, she's, she's definitely got a star quality. You think Timothy Chalamet is a little mad? Like, he's like, I've, I've been every, I'm like doing no. a t- Dude, he's doing a he's doing a ton of movies, and he's he he grinded. To, I, I, Chalamet is the golden boy right now. I know, but do you not think like he kind of he kind of grinded to get there a little bit, and not really. He who's mad? Just appear too, and just who's he? Who's a young star that's mad that 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 Zendaya is on that corner right now? I don't know. <laughs> um, who's your who's your guy, Luke? Uh, uh, Lucas Hedges. Lucas Hedges. He's mad. You know he's yes, upset. Yes, maybe. He's got to be mad. I, uh, okay, well, actually, this is a, you know what? Dune is over. We're on a great transition point right here. Speaking of Lucas Hedges. Hold on, I want to mention one more thing. Oh, God, we almost got out of it. All right, okay. what? No, one more thing. You just kamikaze like my, <laughs> my segue. We didn't, we didn't talk about the uh, technical aspect of um, Oh, God, do we need to? I think everybody knows. Okay, one, I thought Hans Zimmer's score was... One completely different from like anything else he's really done. I feel like it had a whole different vibe than usual. Um, but two, just amazing. Like he really, I think he, I read that he created like new instruments for this. He really delved into this world, and it really sounded like something that would come out of Dune. Um, but two, I thought the sound design in this movie was so well done. Like oh my god, the voice, the um, between Paul and um, his mom. When they do the uh, mind control voice, yeah, like awesome. Shook the theater. Oh my god, that was horrifying. The way my, it sounded. My teeth shook. <laughs> yeah, like that. Oh my god, my eyes was like, whoa. <laughs> it's like it takes you out of it for a minute. And also the way that scene was edited, where like during those scenes, it like cut to after they perform the task that they said they were going to perform. So it kind of like disoriented you in like a good way, and it just kind of like confused you and just like put you in the space. You're just like, whoa, what just happened? Yeah. Um, yes, the sound design was amazing. The effects were amazing. We're, we're, what, we're winning score Oscars. We're winning uh, cinematography Oscars. This is definitely going to dominate the technical side of the We're Oscars. winning effects Oscars. We're winning costume design Oscars. We're winning production design Oscars. We're winning, did I say effects? We're winning director. We are winning director here, folks. You think so? I am putting the money. I am, uh, we're going to get to, we, we're, we're going to get to some Oscar games you in the future. You heard it here first. I want to do, and we're going to have, like, we're going to do our predictions, and... I still don't know if it's going to get into the main categories yet. uh, This is, I'm going to, I'm going to do some teasers here, I guess, for the Oscar show. We're doing, like, predictions, and we're doing, we're, we're, I'm getting the betting lines off of DraftKings, and we're giving betting advice. We're going uncut gyms mode. We are doing it all for that. I cannot wait, and we are going to make some people lose some money if they listen to our choices. Although I will remember, I do remember last year we, we you and me sent our picks to each other, and mm-hmm. I feel like we did relatively well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're getting a little more bit more predictable now. Yeah, last year I think was particularly predictable. I think this year yeah. should be a little tougher, but um, 
we're winning effect, we're winning director, we're winning. If if you know, I'm a big fan of the cinematography. Uh, that's oh, my. That's obviously this is beautiful. Well, not just this movie. That's like what. That's my. That's my. That's my uh, Oscar category. That's my obscure category that I mm. get a corner every year. Mank cinematography. I called it. I called it, and I was so happy with it. Um, and so, I th- this is winning cinematography. Like nothing else can. Um, All right, we'll see. And then, real quick, last thing on the Hans Zimmer score. Yeah, it's different from what he's done because he's just—he's not doing Inception again. He always just does Inception again. He does. He had that rain where I think a lot of directors just kind of wanted that sound because it was so new and unique at the time. Um, but I don't know. He, this just felt so different and unique, and it felt—it felt very into Dune. Like it just felt like this would be a Dune soundtrack. This is, uh, and this is not about to be a dig at Hans Zimmer, or maybe it is slightly. He made Time, which is one of the greatest mm. movie works of movie, movie pieces of movie music, one of the most iconic. And the reason it's so iconic is not only is not even just because of Inception. It is because it has been done over and over again a lot by Hans Zimmer. He has done it a lot. Yeah, that's not a bad thing. It is a little bit when he's when he's when you like oh why are we playing time again and then it's like one note is because different. It's so freaking good. I, look, I get that you like that piece of music. I do too. But like, let's mix it up a little bit here, folks. Let's let's do something hey, new. That's what he did for this movie. I and guess what? It's my favorite Hans Zimmer music in years. Yeah. It is. I mean, he is. Oh and Jesus! And he already confirmed that he's coming back for part two. So. Um, he did do No Time to Die. No Time to Die sounded great. Um, yeah. He's been mixing it up a little bit. Oh, he did Hillbilly Elegy. I hate that movie. Um, all right. <laughs> he, he's doing um, Top Gun, Maverick, and Army of Thieves and The Unforgivable. Real sidebar, Army of Thieves, I'm super excited for because I loved Army of Dead, of the Dead. The, you like you know. that movie? Oh, fuck yeah, dude. Sorry you it, don't it like fun. fun. No, it was fun. I but we're getting more Dieter. We're getting a Dieter movie, dude. I loved that character. <laughs> it was that, awesome. Quick note on that movie. I I did not like his character because I felt like he was pushing his character too far just to show off his acting abilities. Like I felt like it was more of an acting reel than what? fitting the character. I don't know. He was just too eccentric for me. Uh, oh, sorry. The eccentric character was too eccentric for you. I don't know. It just didn't feel like he was... Playing a character just felt like mm. an acting real to me. It felt like he was having fun with it to me. <laughs> um, God, man, he is. Hans Zimmer has put out some freaking stinkers too. Jesus Christ. Yeah, he's got to get his money, man. There are specific times where I'm looking at this list and I'm like, wow, I did not like the score of that. Oh, he did it. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, um, that's weird that. Jesus. His highs are high and his lows are low. Why did he do the boss baby? What are we doing here, Hans? For money. Oh, you don't think he's getting paid enough to do every Christopher Nolan movie except for Tenet? Like, honestly, probably not. Really? Maybe. I mean, sure, he's getting a lot for those, but dude, the Boss Baby money—you're getting a lot for that. <laughs> but you're those, not... those kids' animated movies—they're huge. Okay, but he also did Dune and No Time to Die. Dune was not expected to make a lot of money, so I don't think he. he but made a lot it was for a that. three hundred million dollar budget. Yeah, but still. You don't think he got six figures off of that? Mm, I don't know. They're not. Hans Zimmer is not do, taking less than two hundred k to do a movie. I guarantee. You. I'm gonna look it up. 
This is just I mean, weird. I don't think that's public knowledge. We're going to have to break this into like two. I, I bet you it is. Hans Zimmer. How much he charges? Fee. Honestly, he probably doesn't even have any. Okay. He, oh, oh, oh. Just, okay. Got it. John Williams, Hans Zimmer, and Danny Elfman all have rent net worths ranging from $75 million to $120 million and get worth? And get paid scoring fees as high as $2 million per picture. As high as? Exactly, but that means they have fees. I bet you if Danny Elfman is getting $6 million, Hans Zimmer is saying, fuck you, pay me $6 million too. Okay. Two million. Sorry, I don't know why I went to six million there. I meant I flipped the numbers. Two million. Okay. And also, those three guys net worths are twenty five, ranging from seventy five to one hundred twenty million. None of them are hurting. Don't do boss baby. That's my only. Don't do boss baby. So I I still think that <laughs> that the, the he makes those type of movies because um, he needs the money. Okay, I don't think he needs the money, but let's... But whatever, let's move on. All right, now that you've ruined my great segue. Speaking yes. of Lucas Hedges, um, I watched some movies this week. Did you watch some movies this week? I did. I want to hear yours, though, first. Um, well, the Lucas Hedges segue here worked well because I watched Moonrise Kingdom, and I literally thought mm. to myself, oh, hey, Lucas Hedges is in this. <laughs> yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know this. A very young Lucas Hedges. He is extremely young, and he's really good at it, too. Um, Moonrise Kingdom was awesome. Um, I, I'm just going to hit real quick what I watched. I obviously watched Dune, Moonrise Kingdom, um, and it appears I left some things off that I watched. Oh, I watched the Batman Long Halloween movies. I've been doing DCAU movies a lot. I meant to ask Paul Shear about that last week, but I forgot. Mm. Um those movies are great. I watched Gladiator, but I think I fell asleep watching it. Um, yeah. Pretty, pretty... Not as many movies as I thought I had watched. Oops. Hey, Moonrise Kingdom, I think, awesome. is Wes Anderson's most underrated movie. It's I would so good. agree. Oh, I started Isle of Dogs last night, but I fell asleep because mm, I had that's a... That's also one of his most underrated. I had a long, long weekend with the Braves, and it was... It was a good one. World Series... I'm happy for you, Bo. I'm very happy. I'm 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 happy you're happy for me. What did you watch? Um so surprisingly I finally got into Hitchcock for the first time ever. Yes. Um which is crazy it's taken me this long. I recently got the four K collection. So it comes with um Psycho, Rear Window, um The Birds and Vertigo. Um those are the only four it comes with. So I watched Rear Window first, which mm-hmm. was incredible. Like, holy shit. <laughs> I knew it was going to be, but like, oh my God, it still blew me away. Um, he, and then I watched Vertigo right after, which blew me away even more. Like, oh man. This guy really is like the master <laughs> of suspense. Uh, I, I didn't believe the hype at first, um, but I thought he was more kind of just like, he set the basis for like future directors. But honestly, I mean, he obviously did that. But he did so much more too. Like these movies are captivating. He like grips you so hard and doesn't let you go to the end. Right. Beautiful. He he is often what's what am I about to say here? Often imitated, never replicated. Is that what it is? Is that the same? That sounds right. Yeah. Do you think like because I don't think I believe I, that. I think people will obviously like pay homage to him, but I it's 
one particular thing that he made really popular, I think it had been done before, is the Hitchcock zoom, you know, where they're, I think the camera's moving backwards, but you're zooming the lens in. Yeah, and it's it, called a dolly zoom. A dolly zoom, but people also call it the Hitchcock zoom. Mm-hmm. And that's for that very specific reason he's really fucking good at it. Like, it's really, nobody else can do it like him. And it's, you know, I, I yeah, think. Yeah, the dolly zoom was created for Vertigo. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Um, well, I was and I I'd wanted to give the direction, like the, try and visualize the way the camera's moving for people. Yeah, it's when the camera's just... moving forward and the zooming of the lens is going the opposite direction. So I flipped it. I do that a lot. All right, awesome. The camera could also <laughs> be moving backwards and the lens is going forward the same. I was half right. Yes, I, I was half right. Um, that's yeah, why you're on cool the effect. show. That's why we have the director on the show. And Spielberg so what, copied it right after with Jaws. Right. and Which is crazy that they never met. Yeah, you'd think they would have. I read that Hitchcock was too afraid to meet Spielberg. Because I th- he voiced a ride, a Spielberg-themed ride at Disneyland. And I guess he was like ashamed of it or something and didn't want to meet Spielberg. That's what I was reading. And I was like, what? That does not That's seem weird. right. All right, we're gonna have to fact check that and come back. Um, because that you're right, that does not seem right. We're gonna have to, <laughs> we're gonna have to get it back to that. It was quoted by Hitchcock, so I don't know if that was the sole reason, uh, but still weird. Hitchcock was also a weird guy. He used to like direct. Towards the end of his career, he'd direct movies from his like limo and not get out. So that was <laughs> yeah. He's a very eccentric artist, and but yeah, I love Vertigo. I love Rear Window. Both incredible movies, and I'm excited to deep dive more into his filmography. He also used to tell people that, like, his parents had him... What was it? It was something... Some He told somebody that his parents had him put in jail as a child, and it wasn't true. It was either that or, like, maybe that his parents were murdered. Like, he made up some background... I can't remember because we had this on one of my film classes quizzes, and there were four options for the lie he told, but now I can't remember which one was the true one. Like, I have them all in my head. And it was something about, like, he told interviewers some backstory that was false, just to, like, because they were like, why is he so dark and twisted? And he was just, he's just a creative dude. Like, that's all it is. Yeah, maybe he just lies all the time and just makes up these stories. Like Robert Yeah, Patterson. I mean, that's exactly, that's exactly what it is, you know? Yeah. Um, hey, it's a fun so way is, to live. Did you say your favorite between the Hitchcock movies you've seen so far? I mean, those are the only two I've seen, but definitely okay, well, Vertigo. Okay. Vertigo is your favorite? I thought, okay, I thought you were going to go with Rear Window. Vertigo, I just think there was so much more going on, and, oh no, it was a lot more, yeah, I think just a lot more stuff was happening, and it just caught me unexpectedly. Like, Rear Window, I kind of knew where it was heading the whole time, but Vertigo just takes a whole different direction in part in that second half, which blew me away. I think Vertigo is maybe a better movie from, like, a technical camera work aspect, Yeah, I also think that got me, too. But I think Rear Window is a better it's a better oh god what's the best way to put this it's a better like uh examination of like all the things you can do with storytelling even with the camera in one singular place because it mm-hmm. never leaves the room beautiful set too that whole yeah. like yard and space and all oh it's buildings. awesome yeah beautiful it is fantastic i could totally which i think it is um it could totally be a play like a broadway play Oh, yeah. But I bet somebody's done that by yeah. now. Um, but, yeah, that's what I watched this week. All right. 
Do we want to hit Alec Baldwin? Do we want to just shout it out, or do we want to debate? I mean... Shout, oh, God, not shout it out. It was a tragedy. Shout out, Alec Baldwin. Oh, uh, shout out. Uh, sh- um, no, it's, it's been talked about a lot. I mean, everyone kind of already knows, but just freaking hire the right people. Get proper safety management. It's not hard. There's a reason union workers are union workers. They're certified and know how to do these things. And then when you bring in non-union members, accidents happen and tragedies happen. And now this is just a disaster. And it's got people rethinking the entire history of like how we do um, sh- you know, shootings on, on the set and stuff. I mean, it's just... It was really hey, just poor union management. And all it comes down is to pay union workers and listen to them also. Like, we had union workers telling these producers, like, these these things we're doing on set is not safe. And then they walked off and they hired non-union workers to come in and do the movie for them. And this happened. Like, this is... It's not surprising when you see the facts of what happened. Exactly, yeah. Just freaking pay people to do their job and give them That's reasonable ridiculous. hours. It's not hard. And another thing that I thought was terrible was when they, when this like particular like crew of workers had signed on to do this movie, they were told that they were going to, they shot in, it was either in Albuquerque or 50 miles away from Albuquerque. It was one of two. I think they shot 50 miles away from Albuquerque, but the union workers had to live in Albuquerque. They had to travel. So they were told that they were going to be compensated for hotel rooms, Mm -hmm. like really close to the set. Yep. And then they were like, ah, no, stay in Albuquerque. And then they had to travel 50 miles back and forth every day after like 14 hour long shoots. And they were like, hey, we're worried we're going to fall asleep on the highway driving home. And they were like, we don't care. Like, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's just upsetting. And I, I really feel bad for Alec Baldwin. They have to go through all that. I, I Oh, it's an absolute tragedy mm-hmm. for him. I can't even imagine. Yeah. And rest in peace to the director of photography. I remember when we I called Jacob right after it happened, and I was like, oh, my God, this is insane. And I remember initial thought, and everybody's initial thought was it, it was a, a tragedy. You know, a blank blanks can shatter, and they can shoot out the, the metal pieces of the casing, and it can puncture people. And I think Jacob pointed out that it was weird that it hit two people. Mm-hmm. And... Well, it, it makes sense because, like I was saying, he was probably shooting it directly at the camera or near the camera. It was the a DP te- it was... stands behind the camera, obviously, right. and the director usually stands right over them to look at the monitor. It was it was told it was a well. That's why I don't I, when it was when when I thought it was a shattered casing. I thought that was strange that it hit two people in that way. But yeah, especially. You know, and I, I would think that, like, with a blank, unless they were right in front of them, it would be hard for that to... And then somebody got hit in the stomach and it killed them. I was like, oh, I feel like that would be... Like, that hat would have to hit them in the exact right point. And it makes so much more sense now, is all I'm saying. Is now it, it truly makes sense. And he yeah. was told it was a cleared gun and they were, I mean, without a doubt, just, like lining the shot up for the camera and he was told he had a blank in it and they were like all right pull the trigger and we'll see how everything looks and he pulls the trigger and it's a tragedy yeah terrible Mm. that's all i gotta say about that all right um yeah this is a great slow sad move on into midsummer (laughs) 
A nice, oh, happy God. family movie. A nice, happy summer movie. Summer movie, baby. We're yeah. A little summer for the cold, getting colder. It was 55 degrees here in Athens. Getting chillier. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, well, how cold is it up there? I'm sure it's a lot colder Same, than 55. Yeah, 55? Oh, really? We're getting chillier. We're getting there. Um, so why don't we warm it up with the bright colors of midsummer? We'll be right back after this break. sponsor album book club it is a book club but you know for albums and uh, they have weekly picks that they put out on their twitter at album book club one and they uh, have curators that choose picks week by week Uh, it can range from hip-hop to bluegrass to death metal to indie to pop it's all over the place Uh, it's a great way to discover new music i've been following them and working with them for quite some time. They also put out their magazines on albumbookclub.com. They just put out an issue with Osar and Paris Price. Uh, They have great merch over there. It's all great looking stuff. Um, Definitely check them out. Give the Twitter a follow. Give the page um, a look. It's great stuff. You're not going to be disappointed. Good way to discover music. Let's get back to the movie. We are back, and we are here to talk about Midsommar, Midsummer. There's a lot of different ways to pronounce it. Um, I think Jacob says Midsommar because he's more pretentious than I am. I just say Midsummer. Well, actually, when I was watching the movie, they say Midsummer, so it's Midsummer. Yeah, yeah you say Midsommar all the time because you're an ass. I do, right, yeah, because so. that's how it actually looks. There's an A at the end. It's like all e. right. Well, okay. Go through. What's, what's this about who directs it, who stars? <laughs> Midsummer. Is about hey. um, <laughs> a couple travels to Scandinavia uh, to visit a rural hometown's fabled Swedish Midsummer Festival. Uh, what begins as an idyllic retreat quickly devolves into an increasingly violent and bizarre competition at the hands of a pagan cult. Wow. Uh, directed by V. Ari Aster who we talked about Hereditary a couple weeks ago. Um, the stars Florence Pugh, who is now a big Marvel star, or is soon to be a big Marvel star. Uh, Jack Rayner as Christian. Um, Will Poulter, who is also going to be a big Marvel star soon, uh, as Mark. Um, William Jackson Harper as Josh. is a big part in The Good Place. Um, and The Helm... Blomgren, I think you pronounce it as Pele. I really thought you were gonna stay away from Wilhelm's name. I thought oh. you were, I thought you were ducking that one. I nailed it. <laughs> well, all right, Blom. <laughs> I, I don't know about Wilhelm is good. I don't know about the Blomgren part. Blomgren. Um, in terms of reception, oh boy, was this movie received weirdly. Um, Polarizing. It is it is a por- polarizing movie. I don't know if it's as polarized. Do you think it's it's not as polarizing as Uncut Gems? Uncut Gems. Got, I thought you were gonna say Hereditary. Was Hereditary polarizing? I feel like a, well maybe. Uh, do you think uh, this might be the inverse? I think of Hereditary. Yeah. Because this was less well received by the audience 
but better received by critics. Mm-hmm. Right? And Hereditary is the opposite of that. Yeah. Um, and I mean, maybe that's just Ari Aster's thing. He can't decide what he wants to give people, or maybe people will never fully understand him. That's something we can get into. I couldn't really find a great review about this one because, like, even I was looking for negative scores, scored reviews, and even those were like praising him. And I was like, all right, I don't really, none of these have any interesting things to add to the conversation. So, um, I could go and just, I'm going to pull a random one star review from a, from an audience member <laughs> really quick. Um, let's see. Okay, this is a good one. Okay, oh, this is a better one. Did not like or get the movie. Beautiful. Oh, wow. This has to be a joke. Great review. This one has to be a joke. I'm convinced this is a joke. Terrible movie. Half a star. Terrible movie. Nothing like the previews and totally inappropriate. Should have warning labels for parents. <laughs> that's a bit. That's somebody doing a bit. Oh, wait. That's, this is the verified audience. Let's go to all audience and give me a one-star review. This is the stupidest movie I've ever seen. Nice. Not even the even the penis was not worth watching. <laughs> Negative five stars. This is a great one. I should have pulled a bunch of these before the before the episode. Very wow. Very waste of time to watch. Terrible. Okay. Do not waste your time. I have no idea how this movie got made. Um, if anyone, if any producer or anyone financing saw it saw the screeners or read the script, they would have pulled their money out immediately. <laughs> if I were any actor or actress in this film, I would fire my agent immediately. Damn! Not even the mm-hmm. acting they liked. Um, they're coming for, people are coming for like the horror parts of, <laughs> what? <laughs> oh my God. What the fuck did I just watch? This was absolutely stupid as fuck. <laughs> yeah, I think people just, this is so shocking and polarizing. It's something they've never seen where they just don't know how to process it. So they automatically just go, trash, terrible, this sucks. I don't know what um, this was. All right, I'm going to find one more funny one and then we'll move on. No actor. Oh, Jesus Christ. No actor. I can't even get through it. No actor who appeared in this hysterical abomination will ever work again. Ooh. Well, two of now, them are in Marvel movies now. So. Florence Pugh is one of the biggest stars on the planet right now. I thought I, it keeps going. I thought I'd seen the worst film ever made until I saw this. Classic. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, that's how I feel well, about this movie, too. That, I hate it. <laughs> yeah. I hate it's it. It's a masterpiece. I, it is. I won't say masterpiece. It was really, really good. Uh, just ahead, I will give. I, I I feel like I take the lead a lot on these movies, and I throw it to Jacob for more technical things. I'm going to let Jacob be taking the lead on this one because he does think it is a masterpiece. And while I don't know if it is that good, I think it is very good. And I think Jacob knows more about this movie than Ari Aster does. So no, um, not even close. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't know anything about this movie. But Ari Aster or Ari Aster, Jacob knows a little bit more than I do. So. Um, what do you think? What do you th- what do you what are your thoughts on this movie besides masterpiece? Give me a little bit more than that. Brilliant. Okay. This, all right. <laughs> no, I was just fucking with you. Um, no, I love this movie. I saw it initially in theaters. For me, what what makes me love like this any movie, not just this specific movie, what makes me love like any movie, is one when they do something completely original and something that I've never seen before. Um, and that also has like meaning and depth and has a good story behind it too. 
Um, if I see something that I've never seen before and shocks me in a way that, or gives me a feeling that I've never had before, that's like a, a plus for a movie for me. And that's what this movie was. It really just went fully out there with every aspect of this movie. Um, I saw I saw twice the original version in theaters, and then I saw the director's cut when it came out. I was in, I might've mentioned this before. I was in New York city and I saw a Q and a with Ari Aster for the premiere of the director's cut in uh, New York. And the director's cut is, I think 30 minutes longer. I think it's 30 minutes of extra um, scenes and shots. Um, and it, it helped the movie so much. I didn't think I could love it anymore, but it really helped. And what was really interesting about it is everyone in that theater saw the movie already so when we were watching it we all kind of we knew what was coming and it was it was people laughed a lot more they thought it was hilarious and, and more funny and i really do think this movie has a lot of, of dark humor in it and it's purposely given that way it kind of blends grief and humor together into one which is, which is very interesting um but besides that i just think well, one the incredible opening i think this has one of the best openings of any movie oh. ever it's just horrifying. It, it grabs you by the hand. It does not let go the entire time. Um, incredible opening. Just the way it, it builds up in the slow chaos. That's also a thing I, 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 just, I love so much when movies just slowly build more and more into chaos. Um, the acting was incredible. I think Florence Pugh gave one of the, like, the best performances ever. Just her screaming and her crying was so well done. You could... You could feel her pain throughout this entire movie. Um, the visuals obviously were incredible. Um, beautiful colors, shots throughout. Um, and yeah, I mean, this movie just had everything. It just, you get the whole range of emotions with this. The cold stuff, I mean, I still don't even follow all of it to this day. I mean, there, there's so much that happens in, in that cold. That doesn't make sense. Arya loves his head bashing. He loves to see those cut off heads. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, there's just so much to love about this movie. So yeah. What did you think, Bo? Well, uh, I mean, that was the pod right there. You just, we did it. That's, that's it. Um, no, I definitely love this movie. Um, I did not see it in theaters because I think... I've talked about this before. It came out a little bit before I like really started liking horror movies. I think mm. I had and a couple so... walkouts in my theater the first time I saw it. Oh really? Um, I think when the the head bashing scene happened, people are like, "I'm uh... out." <laughs> so I think 2019 was around the time where I really started liking horror movies, because mm-hmm. um, that's when I saw the first it. Because um, I was really curious about it. Well, the, the it. thing that intrigued me about this movie, because I wasn't that big in the horror movies either, was that this all took place in the daylight. And that's what really intrigued me. Yes, like, we're going to... We're going, stop it. Stop it. We're going to get there. Stop it. You're stepping Sorry, on I'll the cut pod. you off. Go ahead. You're stepping... Also, you're, also you're stepping on the pod. All right. I think... Is that not on the outline? No, it's not. That's my fault. All right. I, I apologize. I apologize. <laughs> I cut um, you off, though. Sorry. You, were, you were getting in there. All right. Yeah. Um... No, yeah, I, did, I didn't really like horror movies, and then I did, after I watched It, and then I started watching horror movies a lot with my younger sister, and this is one we watched uh, in our parents' living room when we were, like, watching, like, the dogs for them one night, and um, I really, like, I was home for, like, a summer, I think, before, oh, shit, it was before I went to Europe, I think, mm. and, <laughs> and I was like, oh, great, 
awesome. That was a good one to watch. I was going to. I started. I started off the trip in Switzerland, not Sweden, thankfully. But there you go. still, you no know, a bunch there. of blonde, lots of blonde white people with mountains surrounding them. You know, <laughs> so. Um, and I, I feel very much the same way. It's a gorgeous movie, uh, and it tricks you because it is such a beautiful. Beautifully shot movie. It almost makes you, I think, forget the opening that is terrifying. And then you're like in this really safe space that is covered in flowers and everything's light blue and deep green. And you're like, holy shit, this village is like perfect. And they live as a commune and everybody wears white and they all get along and eat mushrooms. The score complimented that a lot too. Yes. And then, and then two people jump off a fucking cliff and one of them doesn't die and his head gets crushed in. And you think, Oh, no. And slow-mo, too. <laughs> yeah, and, like, you know, there's a few creepy things before then. Like, you're just looking at... It's a lot of, like, side-eyeing people, and you're like, hey, this is, this is a little weird. Like, all right. Mm-hmm. What are we doing? I mean, here? the fact that it opens with the main character's sister committing suicide and killing her parents. Oh, God. So, here we go. Here's where I, I mentioned... Uh, you know, off the off mic in between uh, during the break, uh, that I had a theory for Jacob. I don't. I wasn't sure if he's heard it or not. This was given to me by my good friend Clay from the animation broadcast and cinema group chat that we have. Uh, that was part of the inspiration for this podcast. And so here uh, I will go and pull it up, and so I can get it exactly right. It has to do with the. Oh, shit. It has to do with the the murder of or the the murder suicide. So he said, "Bo, do you think that the that her family getting killed was actually the sister, or was it foul play from the guy that brought them over?" Because uh, the Swedish friend, the Swedish friend. Now here's why I th- I started thinking about it. I'll tell you that right ga- now. No, no, you don't think so. But give me a reason. Well. That guy has a weird kind of thing with with Florence, you know? Vil, Vilmar, Vilmer? Vilmer? What are we doing here? Vilmar? Vilmir? Vilmir was like, he was... He was no, Vilhelm. Super... Vilhelm. Oops. His name My is bad. Pele in the film, though. Yes, Pele. Pel. Pel. Oh, it's Pel. It's Pel. It's not Pele. They don't do an A. There's no accent there. It's Pel. Mm, sure. I think it's Pel. I don't think they ever right. say it, but whatever. Okay, and all right, and this also goes into the clip that you sent me. They're like, "Why did Pell bring us here?" And that clip, they know this is from the director's cut. Jacob sends me a, a clip. Uh, I didn't watch the director's cut. Jacob obviously did. Um, where Pell, they're talking about like what are Pell's intentions to bring us here? And I think Florence Pugh is also doing math in her head where she's like, "There's not very many people in this village. Like, where are these children coming from?" Like. The, 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 there would be um, insane amounts of incest. There's like 50 people in this village. Why are we here? And there's all these sacrifices. These are pagan rituals, which she's completely right about. Um, and I think Pell obviously had sinister intentions when bringing them here. As he was also not the only person to bring people. And these are, she's in, the, in this director's cut clip, she says these are things that this village would not want people to put out there. Okay. Pretty much saying there's a there's a high chance we get killed, so we are made sure to stay silent. Okay, part of you I agree with, but 
there was a scene, um, right? It's the scene when, before they leave, um, they're all chilling in one of the guys' houses. And Christian comes over um, with Danny. And they kind of, like, talk about the Swedish trip. Um, Christian goes into another room with someone else. And um, Pell and Danny start talking about the trip. And you see... Um, in Pell's eyes, he looks at Danny and it says, I'm really glad you're coming. And in that scene, you can see his like face and eyes like light up, like realizing that he just found the May Queen for the year. Because every year they try to find a new May Queen that they think will be good. And I don't think it was until that moment in the film where you can really see like a spark almost go off in him where he realizes that she's the perfect fit for this. She's alone. She's like, she's going through a tough time. She needs support. She's like the perfect fit for the May Queen. And that's where I think, that's why I don't think he had anything to do with anything that came before that. Because before that, we didn't even think Danny was coming on the trip. She wasn't even invited. And then she kind of got forced into it later on after all this shit happened. But isn't Pell the one who suggests that she comes on the trip? No. Um, this was, Christian was the one who did it. Remember, so they were at the party and they were talking and Christian, I think they were talking about Sweden and then Danny realizes that Christian never told her about it. And he's like, you never told me about it? And then they go and they have that fight, which, oh my God, that fight is brutal to watch because you just, you see Christian turn the argument around uh, to turn it on Danny, making her like force an apology that she never even had to give because he's just a terrible boyfriend. Um, but in that scene, because she's like breaking down, like saying she's sorry, uh, Christian feels a little guilty and he's like, all right, do you want to come? And then she's like, all right, I'll come. And then he tells the guys later on that she's coming. So no, it was all unexpected. I don't think Pell had anything to do with what came before that. Hmm. Interesting. Um, but yeah, she was the perfect candidate once Pell realized that. Um, and that's why he said that line. I'm really glad you're coming. So do they do this? All right. Well, this is, I'm going to circle back. We have um, to something. Uh, we, we could table this for a second. I'm, I'm reading something and we'll come back around to that. Um, so the cult and their rituals. Do they do this every year? Because I thought they did it every year. But also, apparently, it's every 90 years. Mm, where are you reading that? The midsummer, the plot line on IMDb and like multiple things I read today. It says it happens every ninety. Every years. ninety. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, How? maybe it is every ninety. Um, but that's but here's no no no. But here's the thing. I think it's every year too. I think that's something that they lied about for some reason. I don't know enough to uh, to answer that. But I did feel, we yeah, just like expose I feel like ourselves it was every year? I thought they mentioned it was every year. I don't I, because there is a midsummer every year. Yeah. Everything says ninety years, but like that's like the basis of it. Like, is that it's every that the this thing is every ninety years. I don't know because um, I no, it's actually not because I remember when watching it this time around. They there's a picture when they go into like the room with all the beds and all that and it's like beautifully painted with all that stuff. There's pictures on the wall towards the right and they go over to them like what are these? And then she, I think Danny like points to one like who's that? And he, and uh, Pella goes that's last year's May Queen. So right, it so is every year. 
It is every year, but they tell them 90. That is something they do tell them. Pell tells them 90. I don't remember that. Because then why would he say it was last year's making? I think... Well, one... Okay. So, I do think Pell did set, Pell did set up his friends. I am 100% sure about that. He brought in... Yeah, I think he set of, up his friends, yes. but not Danny. Okay, yes. Danny but, was just a happy coincidence. Okay. But, so, Pell definitely set up his friends. I think he told them 90 years. You know how... This is another thing in the director's cut if you haven't seen it. She basically says, she's implying that Pell set them up. And she says, why would he invite a bunch of anthropology majors over? And this, every, a ceremony every 90 years in Sweden. For one, these are a bunch of college-age guys. Of course they want to go to Sweden. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, not a, that's not a big draw. But especially if it's every 90 years and, oh shit, like I can write my thesis on this. Like... It's two birds with one stone, you know? Like, that's a huge draw for them. And yeah. then, uh, this is maybe not even, this probably isn't something he even thought about, but, you know, it's going to create animosity because it's going to be so interesting to all of them that they're going to want to fight over who does it. And it's going to result in more people split up. And, you know, oh, when you split up in a horror movie, everybody dies. Um, maybe. Yeah, but also, um, before we continue, for okay. those who haven't seen the director's cut, um, so, like I said, it's about 30 minutes longer. It includes two uh, big major scenes that are not in the original. Um, I highly recommend you watch the director's cut if given the chance. It's on um, Apple TV if you buy it through there. I think it's on Amazon. You can also order it through the A24 website if you want a Blu-ray. Um, but it, one of the scenes is just like another insane ritual that they do um, where they almost drown a little kid. Very fucked up and on par with the rest of the stuff they do in that movie. Um, and then there's also a big argument scene between Danny and Christian that kind of elevates more of the um, the tension between them and kind of makes you hate Christian even more. And Christian also explains that he that's what he's going to do his thesis about is this place and copying um, his friend. Uh, but then also besides those two scenes, he rearranges some other scenes. Um, he kind of like adds one or two shots into some scenes he rearranges it to better fit the story um and also adds a ton more comedy like will poulter has tons of more lines in this one than he did in the previous but those those are like the big differences um all right so that scene in particular we can talk about it um the argument the argument Mm -hmm. i didn't it wasn't for me i didn't like it see the thing is the two complaints that i saw was Christian wasn't enough of a dick for for people to side with Danny as that's much. That's not what I disagree with. That's not what I don't like. But um, yes, keep going. But and also, people thought Christian just making his thesis about the uh, Midsummer was just like out of nowhere. And that kind of explained a little bit more of like he thought he just randomly chose it and kind of explained his thought process. He's like, I just decided today I was going to do it. Um, okay, yeah, you, you say that's... Say? Were you saying those were good reasons for that scene to be added? Yeah, I think I think it helped oh, the overall okay. um, just tension between Danny and also Danny. It's just like I don't know. I feel like that whole scene you just you side with Danny more and you realize you like you empathize with her a lot more. Um, okay, so I thought that it said all of the subtle parts of the movie out mm. loud. 
I, because okay, I agree with that. As soon as she starts being like, why are we actually here? They're doing pagan rituals. What do they really want with us? Like, oh, they're not going to, like, they might not let us leave and all this stuff. I was like, well, you're giving away the movie. Yeah. There's a lot of movie left. Let the movie be a movie. And that's, you know, I'm. That's true. There was more angibility in the other cut. Right. Like, and like I say all the time, I love Marvel movies and stuff like that, but those typically tend to hold your hand. And this mm-hmm. is obviously not that. And I don't need a movie to hold my hand. We just spent a ton of time talking about Dune. And yes, it does a good job of explaining things. But there's a difference between explaining something so that you can make more sense of the movie versus having something hold your hand and be like, now do you understand? They might kill these people. Like, you're supposed to be the whole time thinking like, oh shit, do they really want to kill these people? Like, like, why are they letting them watch this is one of the biggest things to think about. And then when Florence Pugh says it, you're like, okay, something's definitely up. Right, yeah, it kind of takes you out of it a little bit. It kind of brings you to reality. I think that was a great cut from the movie because it made me remember I was watching a movie. I was like, oh, mm. and also I didn't, I definitely didn't need more Christian being a dick. Although that was some top tier gaslighting in that scene. Oh my that God, was yeah. wow, all time Hall of Fame gaslighting. But I also want to put in the regular cut and the theatrical cut. I'm nominating Christian for something. I'm gonna, I'm gonna start a Hall of Fame. I need to start making a list. All-time wet blanket boyfriends. Just mm. ugh, just boring and not that great. And top, just why terrible. are you with this guy? Ugh. He is, uh, the first scene you see him, you're like, he's like talking about breaking up with her. Mm-hmm. And then obviously the murder-suicide happens. But then it cuts like three months later and nothing's changed. And he clearly is not into her. And he clearly is just, like, constantly coming down on her and ragging her. And even when he's not, he's just boring. And it's like, Florence Pugh, you can do so much better. The lame birthday cake he gave Danny after forgetting about her birthday. And then the lighter not working on top of it. Like, ugh. That was so depressing to watch. It's just, dude, like, if I'm Danny, and, you know, obviously she's very grief-stricken and, um... Christian is probably one of the last, like, you know, support systems that she has left after all of this. Uh, one of the last constants that she has left. And so she obviously grabbed on deeper. But when, after, like, three months out of a familial murder-suicide and your birthday is forgotten, no, I'm not going to Sweden with you. I'm hopping on Tinder. <laughs> or I'm having a girls' night. Like, come on. We can't do this. Yeah, well, obviously the whole point of this movie is that she's grieving, she's alone, she doesn't feel like she has anyone, and this cult kind of accepts her and welcomes her. That's yeah, this isn't. Yeah, this is. Uh, this isn't even a critique of like the writing of the movie. It's just like it's so frustrating because he very clearly is supposed to be this wet blanket, terrible boyfriend. Just, yeah. And Ari Aster like did that very intentionally. Like, well, it's, he, I don't know if you was, know this, but this he was movie, coming off a breakup. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I beat you to it. I know something about Midsummer. Um, I, I read the IMDb trivia too. Um, <laughs> I heard him say it live. Oh, really? <laughs> Damn it. Was there a, wait, oh, this is going to be so weird. Was there a, this is like totally derailing the show. What did I read this on? Was it a vice reporter there? Cause he was like a vi- the vice reporter that I read the review from was like, he told me about like, it was coming off a breakup and I was like, Oh, I mean, he said that interview. in a lot of his interviews, but yeah. he, he did say that at the Q and A as well. Um, also, he did say that he did not like the theatrical cut and was very upset that he had to push that instead of the director's cut. But obviously, well, the director's cut's a little too long for most people. 
Yeah, it's really it's really long. It's already a what a hundred and forty minute movie. Yeah, I think the director's cut is two hours and fifty minutes or two hours and forty five. You're um, gonna. I used to do this. I used to do a bit a, a longer than Star Wars bit, but now I'm ch- I'm changing my corner on that. I'm sorry. You want to make Midsummer longer than Dune? <laughs> it does not need to be longer than Dune. No, but it the, does fit. It just makes a more complete story, in my opinion. I'm sure it makes a more complete story, but like I said, it doesn't. Not everything needs to hold your. Oh fuck. Oh, sorry. I'm so sorry. I got completely derailed. This is going to age the podcast so poorly. Jorge Soler, lead-off home run, first pitch of the World Series. Hey. <laughs> okay, sorry. Completely left off. Uh, oh, God. That was amazing. Um, <laughs> nice. <laughs> that was awesome. Um, it, it doesn't need to be that long, and I think I'm gonna like watch this now and like make a list of all the thing all the things that definitely could have stayed cut, especially that scene you sent me. That was a six minute long scene that did not to be in there. For one, that ritual like I get they were going to drown him, but also I don't think they were ever really gonna drown him. I think the no, I think that the whole purpose was to be like no stop was to show this like that they were willing to do it or whatever mm-hmm. you know everything that scene was obviously like. It was them doing a very scripted ritual. It was like a play performance. Yeah, no, but, I get why you cut that. But I do like the all the rest of the stuff they added in. There's just small little things here and there which just made the story more complete. Yeah, I mean, maybe there's some Will Poulter jokes. I'll like. Oh, there's some good ones, man. I'll, I'll mention them later on. When we get I, to love, I, I love Will Poulter. Um, yeah, I, I think it's pretty... It's, it's very... I won't say perfect because I think there are very few perfect movies, but it's really, really good as is. I mean, it... Mm-hmm. it I mean, and obviously little jokes like that can be cut to make it a more accessible movie for more people. No, like, and I totally understand why he did it, but... I know, well, that's more, I think that's more the theater did it. Um, I think it had, if he had Oh, yeah, choice, it was not we, his choice, yeah. If, if he had his choice, we'd be in the theater for almost three hours. I mean, that's ten minutes shorter than Endgame. Mm-hmm. And you don't, you don't need, you don't need that much time, man. Like, it's not that big of a story. Yeah, it's contained to one set for the most of it. No, it was totally the studio, and I get why he did it, and it probably helped benefit the film overall. I definitely think it did. It but made it watching the director's cut, I did like that version more. And here's and here's another thing I have to say about it, and you know we were gonna get to this later. Ari Oster says he made made this movie, and particularly makes a lot of his movies, you know, confusing on purpose. But if he's adding in more and more things to like explain more stuff and make it more of a complete movie i like it with its inconsistencies the things that made audiences dislike it so much i enjoyed those like because don't like i said just don't hold my hand i can do i can do it i can figure it out that's the I'm only a, I'm a big boy. part he adds into it but the thing i would just say to end this is um the if you like midsummer the theatrical watch the directors because yeah it's worth it I'm not saying don't watch it. I'm just yeah. saying I'm I'm glad with what we got in the theater. Yeah. Um. Let's see. We hit my wet blanket boyfriend. I love William Jackson Harper a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's um, great. I hope he's in so many more things. Yeah, you just played that that like nerdy kid so well. Uh, have you seen The Good Place? I've seen half of it. Uh, it's a go. Oh, such a good show. Yeah. Great. Really great sitcom. Mike Schur sitcom. He's great at it. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to get more into more TV. We have broadcast on here. When when do we do st- Squid Game? Do we do that next week? I've never seen it. We we need to find that out if our special. 
Oh yeah, okay, watch it. Sorry, my fault. Totally my fault. I remember we were gonna I wanted to do this one episode. Um Will Poulter, as you said, um going to be Adam Warlock. We've already covered that, I think. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we don't need to go all into that, but um He was a uh, this, great comedic character in this movie. I think yeah, I think some Him sh- just vaping some, too is all the time. Uh, yeah. He some vapes a lot this, more in the director's cut. Oh god. Some of this cast is going to be some heavy hitters in Hollywood for a long time, I think. Um, mm-hmm. I think William Jackson Harper will be. Florence Pugh already is. Will Poulter, obviously. Um, Wilhelm Blomgren. I liked him. I wouldn't mind. I think he does a lot of you know European movies at the moment. Yeah. But I think he has the like look. I think to be like a of typical foreign guy in a movie, and if he can do an American accent, even better. Get him in some Hollywood stuff. I liked him. Yeah. Um, I don't know, Jack Rayner, I don't know if I could ever watch him in another movie again, because Jesus Christ, I did not like that. You were such I a mean, dick. It was a good performance, but it's also one of those things where I'm like, ooh, you're just, ooh, you're boring. Like, he, play, he was supposed to be playing boring, mm-hmm. and he played boring so well that now I'm convinced he's a boring person. I've seen him in some <laughs> other movies. I've seen him in, he was in Free Fire, which was great, and he was also in Sing Street, which was great. Um, he's a great actor. <laughs> Um, um, but moving on, uh, I want to talk about the, uh, the mushroom scene, the tripping scenes. I thought those yes. were so well done. And I feel like in most, uh, movies where they have like a psychedelic scene like that, they go over the top. They do all this, like dragons are flying places and wherever else there's all these crazy visuals. But this one was so subtle. You just see like the tree branches, like slowly moving. You see patterns just like swirling and twirling around them. Even the dialogue during that scene, like the pitches in their voices were like moving up and down very fast throughout their sentences. Um, I love, I love when Will Poulter, he was just like tripping, sitting on the, the hill and he's like, Oh fuck, a new person's coming. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can't speak to like the authenticity of that. Cause I have never taken mushrooms or I anything may or like may that. Have not. Uh, yeah. I was about to say, don't tell on yourself, Jacob. Um, <laughs> but it is, it was, I think I agree. Like, even, even though I have no experience with it, like, um, I do think, like, in movies when they do stuff like that, it is over the top because I have mm-hmm. friends that, you know, I'm fucking 22. I have friends that do that shit. Like, I, and I've seen people do it. All like, I can say is Ari has definitely taken some shrooms. Oh, Ari, dude, to come up with Midsummer and Hereditary, <laughs> he's done worse than shrooms. Like, he is on some crazy stuff, man. I love the scene um, where they're tripping not at the beginning scene but where they give them like the the liquid version and they're sitting at like the long table and christians like they're like dancing during like the circle dance competition or whatever and christians just like tripping balls at the table and then someone comes up to him and just claps right in his face and the distortion just goes and just like kind of like pushes out and you just see like everything behind him just like distort and wave super fast like that was so well done you can just really um, feel what they're feeling in those scenes. Yeah, I, I, yeah, and definitely. Also, uh, oh. side note, it inspired one of my recent music videos, uh, "Yellow Skies" by Evenson. I used a lot of the distortion effect, the same one they used throughout Midsummer. That's a really good video. I like that one a lot. Thank you. Um, yeah, that's a, and also I think. You know, it's the whole open up your mind thing and just like you're already subliminally telling them to open up their mind and then actually giving them mushrooms. So mm-hmm. then when like two people jump off a cliff and one of them 
I have I have <laughs> like, my oh, okay. This is fine. We're I have mushrooms. An, We're high. Op- yeah, exactly. Open up your mind. Like this is how we are. Um, I do have a nitpick about the cliff scene. If we can divert from mushrooms for sure. a second. If you're going off that cliff, why are you going legs first? Yeah. <laughs> I'm cool. You know what? You know, I'm, a, I'm an accepting guy. If this is y'all's religion. You did the pencil dive. If you are willingly to do this, this is some big honor for you. Okay. I don't want to watch it. I don't want to hear it if I'm there. I'll go to the cabin and I will respect your wishes because this is not my culture. And I, although I will not... Although, obviously, I do not think this is a good practice. I'm not one, there's more of you than there are of me. I'm not going to, like, try and stop you from practicing your religion. Um, my one advice, man, when you're on your way up there, don't forget to go head first because, you know, that looks like uh, if you do a pencil dive off the top, your leg might shatter and some might have to smash your head with a big hammer. Hey, maybe he wanted that. Oh, God. Smash. Oh, God. I mean, it can't feel good to go legs first. Can it? Ugh. No, that's, it can't. That scene gives me shivers. I love how the, the sound design of that scene is really well done, too. Oh, it mutes a little bit, and you just see ass. Ugh. Ugh. Crazy. I um, hate it. Do we understand this cult at all? Are we sure? Do we understand any part of it? I pick up on more things every time I watch it. Just like little tidbits. But no, I think he wants to keep it a little a mystery. And you're kind of just like wondering what's going to happen next. Uh, but right. I feel like that the main purpose of it was they're they're like an accepting cult and they're trying to find people that feel alone and are looking for some like I don't know meaning in life or something like that. And Danny kind of fit that bill perfectly. Mm-hmm. And they just want to like, especially the scene where she starts like crying and breaking down, and then all the the cult around her just starts going like, Ugh. like they start like screaming. Oh, stop! I can't even think about that. <laughs> like it's all to like. Uh, like take in the grief and just like make her feel like she's not alone the entire time. And I think that was like a main theme in the movie is just the importance of sharing grief with like people that care about you. Do you think she wins May Queen on purpose? Well, I, I think from the second she got there, they already knew she was going to be May Queen. Because so there's was... one difference that I saw was when they walk in for the first time and I think like the pastor or the leader of the cult or whatever comes up to them. He goes like, welcome, welcome. And then when he gets to Danny... Um, he goes, welcome home, and doesn't say oh, that to anyone else. So I think true. I think Pell knew when that spark, like we talked about before, when that happened, he probably like reached out to them or whatever and was like, this How? is the girl. Oh, phone's the there. Phone. What phone? I don't know. Well, I think he reached out to them or told them beforehand or whatever, and like, this is the girl. Because they all know. knew. They all knew that this was the girl. I didn't see outlets in that in that place. <laughs> I, didn't, I definitely didn't see a fucking landline. I did <laughs> I did not. Well, they don't live um, there twenty four seven, so they only do it for the summer. What? I missed out on so. It's so easy to miss out on things in this movie. I feel like. No, yeah. The more you watch it, the more subtle things you pick up on. Um, another subtle thing I picked up the second time was, uh, let's see, what is it? He doesn't Christian eat a he eats something with a pube in it. Oh, yeah, I wrote down that quote. He says, I think I ate a pubic hair. And the yeah. person, and the cult leaders goes, yeah, it's probably right. And then also they all get, like, lemonade or something. But his looks like strawberry lemonade. Hmm, wonder what that could be. I'll leave that up to viewer imagination um, or listener imagination at this point. Um, yeah, 
Uh, so some sort of love ritual potion thing, and I guess it worked. So, okay, here's another thing about Christian. It's not that I don't think necessarily that the love ritual worked. I think it's just that he is such a, like, spineless, and I'm really about to go in. I, I think he's, he's just kind of spineless and go with the flow and, like, doesn't really stand up to people. And so they're like, you've been approved for this mating ritual. And he's just kind of like, all right, you know, all right. Well, yeah, I okay. think he was just so disconnected from Danny that he yeah. didn't care. And it was and, also, he had that little feud with um, William Jackson Harper's character because they were both doing, like, the same thesis project. So he's like, yeah, I'm going to learn more about it than you are, type of thing. And so, and then he all, we also get him, uh, she's off fertilizing, making sure, that, blessing the cops, blessing the crops so they'll be more fertile. And, and he is fertilizing a woman at the same time. That's a good parallel. Sorry, I'm looking down because there's this really small gecko on the ground that I don't know where it came from. It's creeping Bring towards up. me. Bring him up to the mic and see if he's got any takes on the summer. I'm not touching that thing. I don't know where the fuck it came from. Why, why can't you touch a gecko? Right Geckos aren't supposed to be there? It's not common? Did you see that slithering thing? I think that's a lizard. Dude, I don't know what it is, but it's long. It's, just it's got a, four legs and it's creeping towards me. So. It's just a lizard. You're going to be okay. So what I was trying to say before the lizard attack <laughs> was I think that Danny... One of the rituals that I don't quite understand is that Danny chooses Christian to be the one to be part of the sacrifice in the uh, in the big triangle building that they're not allowed to go into until the end. But like that's something that I read when I was doing more research for this movie. But like, did you ever notice that? I don't think Danny ever verbally said put Christian into no. Wait, wait, it's definitely. It's definitely not a virgin or virgin. Jesus Christ, I got the pagan cult shit on my head. And also, I've been listening to a Halloween podcast today. Um, and they talked about the whole virginity thing. Um, no, it's it's not a verbal thing. It is a... I think it's a, a visual thing. Like, it, maybe a point. I don't think it's a point. I think it's... They bring him... Like, this is the picture I'm painting in my head. I have no idea if this is what happened. So... In the description on IMDb, the end of the ritual draws in the ear, and the elders bring the drug Christian along with a villager named Torbjorn before Danny, as she is supposed to choose someone for sacrifice. Per tradition, it is nine people. It's the two elders who jump off the building. The building. God damn it, man. The, <laughs> the cliff. Sh- this is a log pod. Um, <laughs> the four outsiders, which we said, you know, pal set them up. Two living volunteers who walk in there, you know, and then one chosen by the May Queen. So the four outsiders are uh, Will Poulter and, because uh, I can't remember the actor's name, actor's name right now, Josh, and then the couple that are there. They're all in there. And then they're already dead. And then, um, obviously, the two, it's like two more... Uh, I think kind of middle-aged people that walk in there and are given the drugs so they don't feel anything. And then um, it's either going to be this Torbjorn guy or Christian. And I, I don't know if it's a, it's not a point, but I feel like they put them in front of her and it's, you see them and you see which side they are. And then it's a cut to Florence Pugh's face 
and she looks at Christian, and it's that's what it is. But I I can't remember it specifically, which is so weird to me because I feel like I'd remember that. Yeah, I don't know, but obviously it makes sense thematically. Yes, a hundred percent, and it's all right. Um, we can table this for a second because I do want to talk about it at the end. Um, it does make sense thematically. Uh, yeah, I don't know if they put him in a bear suit. And then they burn him up. Do you want to hit some quotes real quick? Yeah, I mean, I just love he, Will Poulter's one-liners get, throughout this. And I, yeah, keep the director's quote. Uh, oh God, keep the director's cut ones, and because I need to hear some of them. Do uh, your best. I don't Poulter. know. I don't remember because I've only seen the director's cut the last two times I watched it. So I don't know which ones. You didn't make. Which. You, I know, but just keep them all in. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I love the part where uh, the um, there's one girl that's like hitting on his character the whole time and he just goes oh my god i just want to give her a bath (laughs) (laughs) i remember that i do remember that that is a great one every time the first time i watched that i laughed out loud and thought that is a great line (laughs) there was one um when the there's a bunch of people they're doing like a sacred dance ritual where they're like walking backwards and like i don't know i'm doing this weird dance (laughs) and he goes (laughs) Someone should tell those girls they're walking stupid. <laughs> that takes a big rip of his vape. <laughs> the vape is awesome. Um, and the last one I really liked was they're like sitting at the dinner table and they do this little like prayer before they eat. And one of the guys like stands up and starts like not even singing. He's just like, he's just like humming super loudly. He's going like, ah, for right. like five minutes. <laughs> and he just goes, what if I just stick a finger up his butt right now? What would happen? That's not, that's the director's cut. <laughs> that is the director's cut. I do not remember that one at all. Yeah, what if I just stick my finger up his butt right now? I would totally remember that one. <laughs> he's talking to like William Jackson Harper's character and he just goes like, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> this is a fucking uh, ceremony right now. You're talking about oh, sticking fingers man. up his butt? Um, all right. Yeah, that's all I had. My final question before we get out of here um, and before the announcements. Uh, you feel happy for Danny at the end of this movie, weirdly? I remember thinking yes, I felt happy. I do. And I think it all has to do with her performance. One, there's the beautiful shot of her in the huge flower gown walking uh, across the, the land and the whole temple burning up in flames. But then it goes to that, I think it's the final shot, that close-up of her, and you can see that little smirk on her face. It's starting; she's starting to smile. And I don't know. You just feel her. You just feel that, like all that, like tension and grief that she had is gone. She's like welcomed, even if it's by this fucked-up cult. She's still welcomed and feels like safe and happy. And you just—I don't know—you you feel good for her at the end. Yep, I felt good too. And I was like, why do I feel good? You know, this was a horrible, horrible, fucked-up situation. But I guess you yeah, know, I think that's the point. Yeah, you know, she's finally happy for in a twisted way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a weird, weird feeling. It is. Um, yeah, it's a weird movie, but it's a really good movie. Yeah. You got anything else? Should I hit these announcements? No, let's get into the announcements. Well, uh, first I want to start off. Uh, I very much enjoyed Halloween week, Halloween month. Oh, my God. I'm in top form at the end of this. Halloween month. Um, it was a lot of fun, and I like the theme months, um, genre-specific. And next week, we're, it's not genre-specific, but it is a somewhat of a director battle. We're going to do two weeks of Coen Brothers movies. 
and then two weeks of PTA movies because we are getting very soon Coen Brothers and PTA movies. Um, PTA Sooner with Licorice Pizza mm -hmm. in November, and then Coen Brothers are. I think they're doing the new Macbeth. Um, well, just um, Joel is. Just Joel, yeah. correct. Um, and so, it should be fun. Our first poll is going to be True Grit. Fargo, O Brother, and Hail Caesar as we're starting with the Coen Brothers. And we have another guest on next week. Mm -hmm. It is the star, or the lead, in The Color of You, a new short film directed by our very own Jacob Rodier. Yes, sir. And it'll be premiering on YouTube November 3rd at 7 p.m. Mm -hmm. And then uh, it'll also be available on Vimeo. Both accounts are under Jacob Rodier. It's already started winning awards, won Best Student Film at, what was the film festival again? Uh, Mystic Film Festival. Uh, all right, perfect. And then so uh, you can set a reminder for it. Just search Color of You on YouTube, and you can set a reminder for the premiere Yeah, look up it. the Color of You short film, because there's, I think, like an album called The Color of You. All right, The Color of You short film. And I think that's a James Blake album. Um, or that's the, color the Color of, of Everything. everything. Yeah. yeah. Never mind. Color of You. Um, Jacob Rodier, Nick Liberto on next week with us to talk about either True Grit, Fargo, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, or Hail Caesar. All really, really good movies. And we'll also talk about the short film. Yes. And it'll I'll be coming out the day after the short film premieres. Uh, we'll give a little correct. BTS action, talk a little behind the scenes, um, just share our overall thoughts on the movie. But yeah, I've been working on this movie for over three years now. Um, I'm finally super excited for it to release. Um, it's been a long time coming. I have been lucky enough to get to see it, as I am Jacob's best friend in the world. <laughs> and so... Oh, God, a little sneak preview. I did get... Uh, I, I got one You got like the critic screening. I, I got the critic screening, my first screener. Uh -huh. I'm going to leak it. Um, <laughs> you didn't watermark it for me. I'm going to leak it. Um <laughs> No, but it is really good. I very much enjoy it. Uh, and then, yeah, it's going to be fun because uh, Jacob's going to take off his co-host hat, put on his director hat, and I'm going to get to interview him, which will be awesome, and I'm going to put him on the spot and ask him some very tough questions. All right, I can't wait. <laughs> Nick is also um, a big movie guy as well. He loves talking yes. about movies. Uh, he's a movie nerd like us. Um, right. And yeah, he's also an amazing actor. I am very excited to talk about it with y'all. Uh, it's going to be really fun. And he can give his acting perspective on whatever movie we end up watching. That's true. We're adding another piece to the uh, to the little trio. trio we, or I guess it'll be a trio now. Mm -hmm. We got the uh, uh, someone from a critic's point of view, a director's point of view, and now we're going to have an actor's point of view. There we go. And that's great for a Coen Brothers movie, too, because I feel like they get some great like performances out of their actors, so that, right. that'll be great. Mm -hmm. You know, I think Hail Caesar would be really fun for that because of that uh, I, I know you, that's not one you've seen yet, is it? I have not. But it is about um, actors in Hollywood and like old Hollywood and fixers and stuff like that. So I think the acting stuff in that movie would be really fun. But I feel like that's not going to be the winner because it's a little bit one of their less known ones. Um, yeah, I'm excited for it. I can't wait. Yeah, it'll be a good time. God, we have had a long conversation today. Hey, we got Dune. Dune is finally here. Go Dune see it if you have not seen here. it yet. That Dune was worth the first hour of the show. Mm -hmm. All right. I'm. 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 I've got. I'm, I'm tapped. Are you tapped? You good? 
I am done with my movie talk for the day. I am, I am all wiped out. We're giving them the real stuff right here. This is the, this is the, this is what the people want. All right, let's stop talking now. It was, a, it was a fun one. Yeah. Till next time, my friend. I'll see you next time, buddy.